I'm Arya Schwartz, and welcome to the WNBA Insider Show. Each week, we cover different topics important to the W, using X's and O's along with key stats. We bring honest and critical analysis. I got to be honest with everybody. I'm feeling really humbled to uh, introduce my guest this week, Kayla McMorris. She's a former athlete from the University of Wisconsin-Madison from 2014 to 2018, and she played on their basketball team. Kayla, can you say hi to the folks, and uh, if you want to give them a little background on who you are and why I'm so humbled for you to be here. Yeah, hi, everyone. Um, Yeah, as Arya mentioned, I did play for the Wisconsin Badgers um, in 2014 through 2018, so I just, you know, finished up my career there. Um, I would say I don't like to brag about myself, but I kind of had a pretty good um, season there as far as individually um, being in a thousand point scorer and uh, being a two-time honorable mention for the Big Ten um, and I had the pleasure of playing against a lot of the players in the WA and decided to be able to work here for the WA Insider and giving some knowledge as a player. Um, yeah it's and that's something that I think often when it comes to the W. People don't, you know, it's, it's a hot topic right now that uh, in college ball, there isn't enough kind of feeding in to the W as far as like education on the league. But I think even more so, you know, just getting the college players to talk about the W and give player insight is really important because, you know, as reporters, <laughs> um, we know one aspect of the game, but being on the court with the crowd screaming at yeah. you um, is a completely different thing. Now, I'll do my best not to hold it against you that you went to the University of Wisconsin because we're both Minnesotans, um, but but no, there is a little animosity there. Um, for, for for this week's episode, we're gonna and excuse my voice. Uh, I had a late night, but we're going to kind of run through a few hot topics in the league. And I think the first thing that's really on everyone's mind was the amazing game that happened last week between the Connecticut Sun and the LA Sparks. Um, you know, the Sparks obviously were shorthanded, so many people might turn to it and say, oh, but they didn't have Parker, who is arguably the best player in league history. Yes, that's a huge element. But Connecticut, you know, every time uh, the great teams get to those those contested games, you find a way to win. And I don't care if NECA wasn't playing, if Candace wasn't playing, there's still the team that was in the finals the past two years and won it one of those years. So... If you're going toe-to-toe with them, I don't care who's playing, you know, something has to be said. What do you think that does to a team that, you know, kind of got on the rise last year and then was knocked out early in the playoffs to to take out, as as I've commonly referred to them, as the top tier, if not the top team in the league? Yeah, I definitely would say um, as far as, you know, being a player and losing to a team um, more than once and then finally – being able to get back to the playoffs or you know, like, I just said, I bring a different fire and energy and like hungriness to that team, you know, wanting to be able to uh, get past the spot that they were currently in last year and just being able to prove everyone else, like we're supposed to be here every year, you know? And I think that that's exactly how the Connecticut Sun have been playing this year. And they're definitely a fun team to watch. Oh, the, they are. I mean, calling them a fun team to watch is an understatement. First two games, they, they tally over 100 points in each game, 101 and then 102. Um, I mean, I mean, granted, one game was against the Aces, a really shorthanded Aces, but still, I mean, to see a team that's putting up those, mon- those, those, those numbers 
is just mind boggling to me from where they were two years ago when people were calling me crazy for saying that this was going to be a team that was going to, you know, light up the scoreboard and really compete for a title. What is, you know, I'm I'm sure in your playing career, you've been around some starters who have gotten injured um, and then come back into the fold. So I'm curious your take on the, the Shanae Jean-Claude Jones um, kind of whatever you want to call it situation. John Quell really stepped up last year and in my mind took over the face of the franchise, which I didn't think anybody right, saw coming. Yeah. Um, interesting that uh, my previous head coach coached her at George Washington. So, yeah, I know a lot about John Quell Jones. And, um, just seeing her kind of, you know, with injury and stuff like that, just seeing her kind of, I feel like she's definitely that spark coming off the bench right now and that um, she brings a different, you know, element to the game as far as her athleticism and being you know, really tall and um, able to, you know, have those uh, different guard-like skills is definitely um, an aspect of John Cole Jones that a lot of people can't really do as far as being her height and stuff like that. So, yeah, I just, yep, if, go ahead. If you were if you were a coach, though, because I'm, I'm looking at the minute breakdown between uh, between Shanae and John Quell, and they both logged in the Sparks game, um, they both logged 32 minutes and the only person who, who had more minutes than them was Alyssa Thomas. Now, do you think that's kind of a balancing act of John Quell's coming back from you know her overseas, whatever it was, and Shanae's coming back from the injury? Do you see one of them becoming the clear defined starter, or do you think this is going to kind of be a, a by committee? Yeah, with I think that's really hard as far as from a coach's perspective to choose which one, you know, who you'd rather have start because I feel like they both bring that um intensity aspect to the game and they're both very athletic players so I think that it might be I don't know a committee you know a, a, a aspect but um yeah I just feel like both of them both both of them bring two different um types of elements to the game too as far as John Quell being able to um not John Quell sorry Chin, Chin Wei being able to rebound and um score too so I think that they both kind of just be a hard decision to make from like a coach perspective. Yeah, and 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 I'm looking at LA and Minnesota and I'm saying, okay, these teams are getting older. Obviously, you know, that's more of the storyline for Minnesota. A lot of people talk about LA and look over the fact that they are pretty young. I mean, Chelsea Gray, Odyssey Sims, and NECA are are really not old players. You know, Elena Beard, okay, so she's got a couple more years um and can still produce right now. And Candace Parker, obviously is on the downswing of her career. But, I mean, looking at Connecticut, and I'm just, how this team is not going to, to if you want to call them the links of the next generation, I mean, Strickland, Courtney Williams, the the Thomas twins, as I like to call them, Bantam off, off, the, off the bench, and then Morgan Tuck also off the bench, and Alex Bentley off the bench. Like, this is a team that last year, before Sinead came back, I was saying, had seven players that could start on other teams. And now you bring back somebody who's an all-star, you know, who arguably could be in the MVP talk. I don't think that's crazy to say. Do you think that it's as simple as getting the team mindset? I know they had the team mindset last year, but do you think, you know, I guess what's that next step when you have all the talent, you're young, you have the drive, you have the team mentality, what what do you even do next if you're Connecticut? Yeah, that's a great question. I would just say being able to put all their pieces together. Um, 
because you know each each individual player on the team brings something different to the game and I feel like being able to utilize that and you know continue to produce off of that is definitely definitely going to put them in um that position where you know the the links and the sparks are you know maybe be a championship team and like you said just their bench play is I think the bench play is fantastic too you know um doing the rookie reports and you know I'm lucky Brown I like she um is definitely aspect to the team when she gets in she's shooting 50 percent the three point line um so when she come in and she's able to knock down shots Bantam too and playing against Rachel Bantam seeing her score 60 points you know in college I think that they have a bunch of scores on the team and just being able to have everyone continuing to know their role is definitely going to um them in that position and, and not to not to harp on the sun too much but rachel bantam's one of those players obviously i got that that minnesota connection so i'm a little bit biased not gonna <laughs> lie um but i will say she's one of those players to me that you know coming into the league wasn't gonna make the splashes as far as like oh you need this player to start right now blah 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 but she's one of those players who five eight ten years down the road is going to just be a solid starter in this league that if you know if you need her to do this, she can do this. If you need her to do this, she can do that. You know, kind of similar to this is a bad example. I'm gonna say Lindsay Whalen in the sense of Lindsay Whalen isn't gonna sit there and you're gonna go, oh, she's the best scoring point guard in the league, or she's the best defensive point guard in the league. No, but she can do so many things at such a high level. That's why Lindsay Whalen's one of the top guards right. in the league, not because you know she's the Chelsea Gray or the the Christy Tolliver. Um, so Bantam's somebody who, who I think, you know, might not get enough attention, but in a couple years, whether it's with the sun, whether it's on the next team she moves to, we're going to see some really big things from her, um, and possibly help a team win a yeah. ring. So. Yeah, I would totally agree with that. Um, I think Bantam is definitely a player that is, is going to have to take time to mold it, you know, into that starter position. Um, and her coming off of a bunch of injuries too, um, I think that kind of t- took away for her quickness as far as her being able to, you know, um, I guess being able to be as mobile as she was before she got injured. But I think that over some years, yeah, she's definitely going to be that starting point guard that is going to definitely turn some heads in, in the league. So It's going to it's gonna be interesting. And, and, and now moving on to another top team in this league, and we kind of touched on them a little bit, the Minnesota Lynx. And, and I'll just call this segment the struggle bus because <laughs> right now um, I'm just – I mean – I don't want to get all happy that I'm right, but this whole off season, I'm sitting here and I'm going, you know, bringing in uh, Tanisha Wright, I got a lot of respect for her. I just don't think that was a great move by uh, head coach slash GM Cheryl Reeve. Um, Danielle Robinson, she's, I, you know, I was a, a big anti Danielle Robinson on on that trade. I, I was, I was completely against it. I called it one of the worst moves I saw this off season. Now, in defense of the move, because I can see it from both sides, Robinson has, you know, ignited some things. In 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 the New York game that they won, she was really able to to use her speed to the advantage. Often one of my biggest critiques of her is she's too fast for her own good. It's almost like she got injured and then when she came back, she didn't realize that her legs back to a hundred. So she's running too fast and then can't, can't doesn't have the control of the ball that you need when you're running that fast. Um but she's definitely had her elements in it. But then you have these other players who someone I'm hyped on, Alexis Jones, just hasn't been playing that well. Uh, Temi Fugmenli has not, you know, when she's been getting minutes, has not been producing that well. Uh, Lynetta Kaiser has been, you know, pretty much, 
she's been mediocre. Let's put it that way. And then uh, Zandalasini hasn't even really been getting minutes. For you, what can this Lynx team do to turn it around? I mean, they have the best, one of the best coaching staffs in the league. They have, and, and I, I'm not bashful saying this. I talk with many people about this who are who are big. You know, oh no, power rankings. LA's number one or Connecticut's number one. But everyone knows, you know. The starting five for Minnesota is still the best starting five in the league. I don't care who they're going up against, but you need more than that, especially with their age. So I guess, what's the first step to get this Lynx team going in the right direction? Yeah, like you said, um, you know, the Lynx, they definitely are one of the most experienced teams in the league right now. And I feel like that is an advantage and disadvantage at the same time. Because, excuse me, um, as far as their bench play, um, there's no one to me at least, what from what I've seen and bring you what, you know, they're being subbed out of. So I feel like as far as Danielle Robinson, she's quick, um, athletic. Um, it's just like you said, sometimes she she's going 100 miles per hour, so it's hard for her, you know, kind of be, being able to finish at the basket when she can get there easily. Um, I feel like with them to be able to change things around, um, it's just they're going to have to find someone off the bench that can be that spark when they come in, that can provide – um, what they're taking out, so I like just being able to trust in their bench play um, is something that is gonna they're gonna have to need um, going later on into the season, and especially right now too. Yeah, so. I mean, I, who would have expected the Lynx to start the season two and two? I'm, I'm like, I'm thinking back the last like five seasons. It's been like, are the Lynx gonna set the record for the most like the most games before mm-hmm. their first loss? Like that's been the standard storyline. Now, on the other hand, some might say that's great because. You know, the Lynx have strived when they were the underdogs. So they lost to the Sparks in the first one, in the first uh, series or battle, if you want to call it. And then they come back and everyone was kind of like, well, L.A. was able to beat them before. They're going to do it again. They're going to do it again. L.A. is so good. And then Minnesota is able to pull it off. Do you think it's almost, and, and, and this sounds stupid saying it, do you think it's almost good that they're getting these losses in early? Um, also keeping in mind, though, that they might end up having to play a single elimination playoff yeah. game. Um, I would say, you know, for the WNBA compared to the NBA, you know, the NBA, they play so many games. So, you know, losing games right away doesn't affect them as much as it does for the WNBA. And I think that with the Lynx, they need to figure it, figure it out now because, like you said, they could be playing that first elimination game. And I think so knowing this, they have to be able to, you know, kind of regroup and get together right away. Um, cause like, it can long, it can have a long-term effect on their, the rest of the way that they play. So I think that, yes, at the same time, it is good that they're getting these losses out now and not soon or not, um, coming up or during the middle of the season. But again, every game does count. <laughs> so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, no, it, it, it's, it's really worrisome because, you know, the links and, and this is something that a part of my reason I was so against the trade was, the like, and I know you you're you're not bringing her in to fill the Renee Montgomery shoes, but what kind of what you touched on? You need that spark to come off the bench and kind of just like jolt of energy, adrenaline shot to the arm. And Renee Montgomery, whether or not it was defense or offense, she did that. And so when I when I criticize the Robinson trade, I'm not criticizing it just because oh she's never made a three pointer. Yes, that's great. That that's a great storyline. But it's beyond that. It's that, you know, can she, every time she comes in, we know she can run 100 miles per hour, but she needs to do that the second her toes touch the paint. 
Like the second she's in there, she needs to be running at the guard, playing full court press. Because at the end of the day, I mean, I'm looking at her minutes. She hasn't. She uh, she's not starting a game. She's averaging around right. 15 minutes a game. If you're only playing 15 minutes a game, you need to be like, you know, gasping for breath, asking for the oxygen tank when you get to the sidelines, because there's no reason not to. Um. But you know what? We'll, we'll see. I, I, again, I really think there's something to be said about Alexis Jones and Zandalasini possibly getting some more minutes. Uh, Alexis Jones is averaging 10 minutes. Zandalasini is not even averaging a minute. So I'd really like to see those numbers get up because when you can give a break and then let Simone get hot, take her off for a little bit, then let her get back in there. You know, the LSU connection, Simone and Sill is deadly for teams. Um, and again, I, I mean, I guess I haven't said it in this episode, but I, I still think Maya Moore is going to be the MVP of this season. Um, but that's just me. Moving on, though, to somebody who I've claimed that I'm saying if, if the season ends right now, she has my vote for MVP. Um, and I know we're kind of throwing a switch. We were supposed to go to Atlanta. We'll get to Atlanta in a moment because I'm just so hyped on Jewel Lloyd. Give me some thoughts on Jewel Lloyd because she's having a lights out season so far. Yeah, Jewel Lloyd is definitely um, a beast. Um, I played against her um, in AAU, actually. Um, <laughs> since we were young, she's always been a true scorer and um, being able to put up a lot of points. I think Lloyd and um, right now, Lloyd right now and Brianna um, Stewart are definitely, and Sue Bird, you know, being at the um, guard position for the Storm are definitely mismatches, I think, with whatever that they play because they all can score at each, at very different levels, um, I think. Lloyd um, is definitely one of the closest guards to me that plays, you know, like kind of reminds me of Kobe Bryant, I would say, uh, with her just being not as tall, being 5'8", it's definitely someone who can score and put up a lot of numbers. So I would be interested in Well, answer me this. There's something that I, I was huge when Natasha Howard went to Seattle. I mean, my mind just started jumping for joy because the combo of Stewie and – and Natasha Howard down there is just so lanky and athletic, and it's really been working. We saw some great games from them. Um, my dream lineup right now, and this, I, I realize there's some some issues with it when it comes to like practicality and how you're gonna match up. But you have Sue Bird at the one, then you got Canada at the two, and then you throw Lloyd at the three, and then you got Stewie and Howard wherever you want to put them at four or five. That lineup right there is just too freakishly athletic, too too scory, and and I mean yes, there's some question marks on defense and what you're going to do. But speaking of that spark that we were talking about with the links that they need off the bench, Canada has really done that. And I mean Canada, I was looking at the stats. I was talking with uh, Nick on our staff, and he was telling me he we were looking at the stats. Canada has like. The majority, I think 75%, I don't want to butcher it, 75% of their transition points. Mm-hmm. Let that sink in. That's, I mean, look, and I, I'll be the first to say that I was critical of Seattle taking her. I was like, why is Seattle not going for Azrae Stevens? Because the length combo of them. But now I'm like, well, crap. Yeah, I think that that was definitely a good pick for this storm. You know, everyone wants to wants to play fast. And I really think that Canada seen her at UCLA um and AAU too um just she's always been she's always about that element of the game her her ability to um push and transition you know like you said she's 75% of her 
Um, she's taking up 75% of the transition uh, points now. And um, her ability to defend, too, with a pressure full court, um, she definitely brings that fast-paced element to the game. And I think a lot of teams are um, want that and like that. So I feel like her coming off the bench, she's definitely that smart. And I think it's not a little biased, but, you know, I picked Canada as my preseason uh, rookie of the year. So I think that she's definitely been um, showing that so far. Hey, you're looking really smart so far. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I, the things that shocked me, and I'm going to give a shout-out to Maisha Hines-Allen also, because these are the two players that out of the, the rookies that I've seen so far, I've been trying, you know, I, I've logged in, I think I've seen everyone play so far, but those are the two rookies that so far mm-hmm. to me have stood out in a league of their own with confidence. Forget, you know, whether or not they're starting, whether or not they're playing insanely well, if the stat lines are lining up to the minutes. But the confidence that both of them are playing in have allowed them to be playing at veteran level. Now, obviously, you're going to have those stumbles because you're a rookie, and that's going to happen. But I mean, I'm thinking back to the the game against uh, the game against the Mercury that Seattle was able to pull off and win. And in that game, I mean, Canada had like three, a couple steals, and and I'm just I'm thinking of this one play where on the inbound she makes a steal plays full court press, makes a steal. Uh, her and Stewie go back and forth. One of them lays it up. And then on the next inbound, Canada just punches the ball out of bounds. And then kind of, you know, there's a little jostling with whatever player she was up against. And they kind of, you know, go go mouth to mouth about it and yelling at each other, whatever. They walk away. And I'm looking and I'm sitting there and I'm like, she's not taking crap from nobody. And that's what you want to see from a rookie. And that's, I mean, She's bringing that element, play in and play out. And, and speak about that, being a player who comes to a new team, to a new league. Like, what was it like for you when you came uh, to Wisconsin and you were a freshman and you had you got to step on the court? Like, what was your mindset? Is it I – mean, I don't want to put things in your mind. So just what was your mindset when you come to that? Yeah, I think um, as far as just anywhere, like, you go and being, like, kind of like the newbie, you kind of have to, you know, prove yourself. So I think that – um as far as from my experience being on the um being a freshman at Wisconsin it was just about the mess showing everyone that yeah I play at this level you may be older than me but I you you're not better than me is what I'm not trying to sound cocky but you know just having that type of mindset and and whoever you're up against being able to hold your own and not um down anyone I think that Canada all she has to do is being the youngest on the team um the only rookie on the storm I'm pretty sure I'm not mistaken, and um, being able to uh, follow suit too, having Sue Bird as kind of like a mentor, so is really helpful. I think for her being able to watch her and just knowing that, um, even though yeah, I'm young, but I'm here to you know, she's here, she's there to hoop, and that's what she loves to do, loves to do. So I think that that's really why um, she's had so much success is just being having that confidence in yourself and being able to build on that. Yeah, I mean it's 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 been amazing to watch, and and also I mean. I got to say, very much so. That's what I'm seeing from Maisha Hines. Allen, I mean, she's going up against Sylvia Fowles. Obviously, Sylvia was injured in this past game, um, so missed a little bit of it, came back. Uh, but the way she's been playing, I mean, just lights out. And and I've been to a couple games because I'm based in Washington. And Tebow, after each of these games, has made a comment that, you know, the rookies, the young players, the 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 sophomores, if you will, are the ones who have been stepping up with this confidence. And and it's almost, it's, it's invigorating to see this young, 
you know, this young wave of talent come into the league and kind of have that swag about them that like, I don't care. I'm here to, I'm here to, you know, take down names and, and, and to win games. Yeah, definitely. I think that um, the rookies right now are definitely the future of the WNBA. So to me, I think that um, knowing that is kind of them having to, you know, put their foot down and be able to, you know, like I said before, prove themselves. So I think that Maisha um, Hines Allen, um, kind of little, um, what do you say? Uh, uh, sorry. Um, kind of a little giveaway that I put her as rookie of the week this um, this week. Um, just her, <laughs> yeah, just her, um, just her leadership and her um, energy that she brought. Um, you know, in that game that she played recently against. Um, Sorry, I just wrote about that song. So they just, um, in her game against the Lynx and being able to uh, defend Sylvia Fowles, who is a veteran and former uh, finals MVP last year. And I think that she did good, uh, good against her because in the first quarter, you know, Fowles had, I, I believe, 14 points. But at the time, Hines only saw like about 18 seconds of the floor. But after that, Sylvia Fowles only scored four points the rest of the game. So I think that her presence was really big and not only her, but Ariel Atkins too. And like you said, the rookies coming off the bench were what kept them in that game and brought them back to defeat um, the Lynx. So it's really nice to be able to see rookies having success early. Cause like I said before, I really believe that they are the future of the WBA. Speaking about the future and, and young players, the Atlanta dream. Now I think a lot of people, because of the, the, the name recognition and the press that this team has gotten, a lot of people kind of expected, I don't want to say wins to be handed to them, but they kind of expected that they wouldn't be going through the growing pains. And, you know, I'm talking about these teams that are in rebuilds. Um, and to me, the teams that fall in the rebuild uh, kind of category would be Atlanta, Chicago, Vegas, and the Liberty. Now, they're all at different stages of that. Chicago has shown in some amazing fashions that, you know, they're putting their, their rookies in to start. Oh, sorry, and Indiana. They're putting their rookies in to start, um, and it's been working out really well for them. They're looking like they've taken a hop, skip, and a jump towards, you know, their ultimate goals. Atlanta is a team that, because it got so much press, I think a lot of people now are like, whoa, was I wrong? Blah, blah, blah. I, I think it's naive of us to think that they're just going to start with a new head coach, a couple players, you know, like a player coming back, a couple new players coming in, and all of a sudden just work. So I guess my question for you is, is this something that we can expect to see, you know, mid-season, the greatness that, that we all talked about in the offseason, or is this going to take a little bit longer than we're expecting? Um, I think as far as for the dream and them having a new coach, again, I think it's about building trust, too. And um, with, you know, the trade with uh, Renee Montgomery, um, the rookie, uh, Monique Billings, um, just being able to kind of, you know, find that chemistry again for them is something that they're definitely going to have to build right away. And I think that's going to take time. Um, Like you said, not a lot of people expected the dream to have this type of not so hot groups are as far as you know being an angel mccotry um being a, watching her since i was young i've always uh, been a huge fan of her and stuff like that um just seeing her kind of you know only averaging 14 points per game right now she's going to definitely have to step up and be that leader that everyone you know expects her to be as far as being a veteran on the team um 
But, you know, I think that they have the pieces with Brittany Sykes and Tiffany Hayes um, that they can definitely do some damage. But just I feel like with them, it's going to take time, too, and being able to adjust to the new coach. Yeah, I, I got to agree. And, and shout out to Brittany Sykes because I am – I've been on the, the the Sykes train, as I'm calling it, but I feel like nobody notices her. I mean, we wrote an article about it. We're trying to give her some some attention because she's balling hard. But like, she's just one of those players that when I don't hear more WNBA minds talking about, I'm sitting there and I'm going, "Am I seeing something somebody else isn't, or am I just you know, am I taking crazy pills?" Because she goes in and like, honestly, she might end up being six woman of the year the way she's playing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. You know, Sykes, um, with her successful career at Syracuse, she's been at least one of those players that um, that brings that um, energy and um, spark to the team. But like you said, she, a lot of the things that she does goes unnoticed, but she has definitely had you know, six-woman uh, quality. So I feel like um, just her being able to, you know, kind of uh, build on what she already does is something that's definitely going to help bring dream. Um, some wins home, definitely. So moving on to our, our last topic, our last team for this episode, Kayla, the Las Vegas Aces. And I'm curious, I'm curious your thoughts on this team. You know, they got, they're just, they're an interesting team. We got a lot of flack because uh, at, at the Insider, we we are going to give a little bit of criticism because I, I just to kind of, I feel a need to explain this, Um, you know, after, I don't know if it was one game or two games, and we wrote an article, what's the problem with their offense? Now, a lot of people took that as us going one game in, the season's over, and ignoring that a lot of their star players weren't there yet. That wasn't what we were doing. What we were doing was is saying, all right, now we've started to get somewhat of an idea of what Bill Lambeer is going to do Excuse me, with this team. Now, obviously, you're going to be running it slightly differently once you have your main scorers back, but... And so, and so maybe it was slightly misleading the, the headline of the article, but what we did was we went even deeper. We were looking at what Bill Ambeer has been doing his whole coaching career and saying he's keeping in line with that and that isn't working and most likely will not work with this team even after they get their guards. Now, I think personally they're going to be doing a lot better than they did last year um, by virtue of just you know the coaching, the, the, the skill set, and having a little bit more stability in the in the coaching for you i mean is is this a team that could actually shock people and make a playoff push or is it, i guess where are they in the rebuild and then you can you can kind of take it from there and give me your thoughts on on Vegas yeah um i definitely think that the aces have potential of course to be potentially a playoff team but right now, I think that they're definitely in a rebuilding year because I think there's just so much going on around the team that are, they're definitely in a rebuilding season. And I say that because, one, I know a lot of teams have had some of their star players um, gone the first few games and starting overseas, you know, I'm pulling the bride and having Schimmel and uh, Regine Lewis take their uh, place until they came back. Um, I think that that definitely has messed with their chemistry. I think they're, they're having to adjust to Kelsey Plum and McBride coming back and losing Schimmel and Regina Lewis. I feel like that's definitely part of the reason why I feel like they're in a rebuilding position. And then also just that although they're not a new team, their team did move from, you know, San Antonio to Basis. I think that the location is different. Um, they're playing in a new city, a new 
uh, facility and all of that. So just a lot is going on surrounding the Aces. And then also you have Asia Wilson, who was the number one draft pick, is the face of the program. But again, she is a rookie, so she is being thrown into a, a, a major role right away. I'm not saying that she's capable of that, but I think that, that just takes time for her to really fully grasp that. And just kind of being able to, like you said, with their um, head coach, being able to kind of have him adjust to who he has as players and then the players being able to adjust who he is as a coach is definitely why I say they're in a rebuilding. It's, it's, it's something really interesting because I think it's, if you, if you just look at the roster talent-wise, um, it's one of those rosters that you're definitely like, wow, this, this, this roster's got some talent. But then you look at, at the experience level of these players and then I think it kind of all comes together a little bit more of a clear picture because, I mean, they're the youngest team in the league. They're ridiculously young. They have how many first picks, how many, you know, top draft picks in are on this roster. But they're all so young that – and that's why I think Bill will be good for this team. You know, he's kind of uh, uh, the, the ironclad coach, whatever you, whatever you want to call him. Um, so I think that will be good to kind of give some structure. But this team – has so much talent, almost too much talent. What what kind of? I mean, I I I I just can't imagine what type of basketball <laughs> is the best style of basketball for a team like this to play. Because I mean, you got big time scorers, you got some players, some bigs who can run. I mean, then you got a, a slow center. Like, what what do you see? I mean, just just thinking about the young players, and and I guess if if they keep this core of young players a couple of years down the road. What do you think is going to be the calling card of the Las Vegas Aces? Yeah, as far as offensively, like you said, it's, it's going to be hard for them to find at least um, a set offense that is going to work because, you know, like you said, there are so many players that can do something different. And I feel like with Wilson, she is that type of player that you're going to have to, you know, let's, you know, have a four-out, one-in type of thing going on, let her go to work in the post. But then you have McBride on the outside, you have Yikaki who can play – um, I would say Coffee can play a two through four, two through five actually. So just her being able to score from um, inside and outside, and then you have Plum, you have Tamara Young who can shoot from the perimeter as well. Um, I just think that with them, they're gonna find something that is going to attend to each individual's um, strength. So I think that he's gonna have um, a lot to juggle with, and you know, just them being young is too is gonna be something that um, they're definitely going to have to, you know, um, work on too. So I'm not quite sure what they can set, but I, there's going to be something that they can all be able to, um, you know, emphasize off of and, you know, build from. So it'll be interesting. I've been saying this for a while. I want to see Beyonce <laughs> perform a halftime show or bring back the Houston Comets. I've just – that that's like – that's my dream right now. Um, but but you know, it maybe maybe somebody who's listening knows somebody who who can throw a, a stone and like tap Beyonce in the shoulder and say hey this is a cool idea. Um, pass it along. So real quickly, just for the fans uh, and to embarrass you a little bit, um, Kayla was being modest, guys. She for the past two years was the leading scorer or led the team with most points per game on the Wisconsin Badgers. If you can figure out what her points per game were for 2016 and 2017, uh, and, you, and you direct message or tweet at WNBA Insider, we will get a prize of something for you. Um, so see if you can do a little, a little stalking on her and figure out what made her so amazing. Um, 
Kayla, thank you so much for coming on the show. I know this is your first podcast, and I think you're doing an amazing job. So uh, if, if you ever want to come back again, just let me know. We'll be glad to have you back on. Do a little – we could even have, like, Kayla's Corner, and, and you could do a little, a little like, one-minute breakdown of this rookie's amazing or this rookie. Yeah, I would definitely be down to, you know, do that. And just thank you for allowing me to be on this podcast. Hopefully it wasn't too hard to listen to. <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all, not at all. Folks, I'm Aria Schwartz with my amazing guest, Kayla McMorris. This has been the WNBA Insider Show. Each week, we cover different topics important to the league using X's and O's and key stats. We're honest and we're critical. We're the WNBA Insider.